0: dubcast i'm johnny he's george we got a lot to talk about we've got a disrespected cj stroud that's a really I, I hate those cheesy teasers but it's a disrespected cj stroud oh he big mad that's he's so mad uh 700 million dollars in stadium renovations um, a five-star shooting guard being lost by Ohio State and recruiting battles. Oh, geez, it's probably not that you know interesting of a recruit, though. Honestly, I think he's a
1: four-star, but yeah, know, he well, got I he would, got a I bit would of agree. a facelift. awesome uh, California. Agree
0: with that. Um, we've also got some betting information. We're going to do some non-rev sports. Let's go ahead and start with C.J. Stroud feeling disrespected when Ohio State added Quinn Yours ahead of the 2021 season. Here's the deal, okay. It, he this is something that we kind of reported on a little bit earlier. Chase wrote it up on the site and CJ Stroud was talking a little bit about um how he reacted when Ewers came in. Obviously Ewers was the number one overall recruit, big deal, you know, biggest player that Ohio State's ever brought in. That last hair on of, campus. Yeah, yeah, and that lasted all of like, you know, three months. Um, this is a quote from Stroud. The next year, they brought somebody else in. Quinn Ewers, the Texas quarterback, who was the number one player I think ever rated. They brought him in like a week into fall camp, which is training camp for us, and I felt kind of disrespected and like that. So here's the thing, it, and I I think obviously this is kind of it's in the past. I mean, CJ Stroud is now in the NFL. Ewers, of course, is not at Ohio State. I think about this kind of stuff a lot, though, particularly in the NIL era of. College football and George, I just kind of wanted to know from you: Is this something that's inevitable? What does a coach have to do to manage this stuff? Because you can't not if if you can bring in the number one dude ever, and he's a quarterback, you're going to do that, right? You're not going to say, "Well, I'm sorry, this guy, you know, might feel some kind of way, so we can't bring you in." You got to bring that dude in, and I think the risk is, and that and that's something that these coaches have to manage, is that you're gonna to have to deal with a uh, roster that could leave pretty much whenever they feel like it. If they feel disrespectful, they feel upset. Like those feelings are are, are something you really gotta pay close attention to now.
1: I think that's a reason that fans should feel really encouraged about how Ryan Day handled this situation. Because mm-hmm. if you if you go and read the article that Chase Brown wrote on this, the important thing that he tries to frame in in terms of how it was relayed that Ewers would be going to Ohio State is that it seemed to catch Day and the coaching staff, even though it was a, a possibility they recognized with the way the state-by-state state legislation around NIL was creating a situation where, from a business sense, it was going to make more sense for Ewers to leave home and go play out of state uh, by reclassifying, and so that he could cash in a year earlier, which he ended up doing. Yeah, they recognized that, but it still caught them off guard, much as it did Stroud when he actually did follow through with that, and then it ended up being, "Hey, he's here now." So I can understand that Stroud probably felt, if not slighted, um, you know, surprised by getting news like that so abruptly. I'm glad that he reacted to it the way that he did, but he also at the end of the article um, you know, illustrates how Ryan Day helped him get to that point to, you know, recognize it as an opportunity for competing right. and it ultimately made him a better player. And I think that you have to I, my my big thing as an Ohio State fan is I need to keep perspective relative to the rest of college football because we are spoiled by success in ways that we don't even realize. Mm -hmm. And you can look across the bow at a team that Ohio State was envious of for multiple years in the last decade in Clemson and see what has happened in this NIL era and transfer portal era where players can just abruptly leave. Look at just what happened with uh, DJ... Yui I, I know I just completely butchered the name, forgive me. I've written it a million times. It's the first <laughs> time I've had to say it out loud. Uh, DJ just booked it after multiple years there building his whole brand there as the quarterback of Clemson and you know was kind of not shy about saying, yeah, I just didn't really think their offense was that good. I mean, that is a horrible look on Dabo Swinney going forward in this right. era where players can just leave and compare that to what Ryan Day did here with C.J. Stroud and bringing in a guy like Quinn Ewers, that makes me feel very, very good about Ryan Day's ability to not only develop quarterbacks for the NFL, which we have seen him do multiple times already at this point, but manage an entire quarterback room over multiple seasons. That's not an easy thing for a coach to do, the fact that you can see Ryan Day do that so effectively and that Stroud has illustrated that here in this case, if you're if you're one of those people that thought the sky was falling because of what happened at the end of the season and were willing to blame it on Ryan Day instead of just bad circumstance, I would hope that you look at what has happened in the aftermath of what Stroud is saying here and think this is really a guy that I want running the ship here for multiple years going forward.
0: Right. And you know, the thing is, is that you look at some of those comments that um Stroud made about day and said that, you know, he's a hell of a man that he is the, you know, he's the man in the arena. He was able to get every get everybody on board and not splinter the team and all that kind of stuff. The thing is, is that a lot of this work I think has to be done In the back end, like you, if you're going to have a roster that can navigate the, you know, the way Stroud put it, the cutthroat nature of all of this, right? Right. First of all, you've got to bring in guys who I think accept that, who understand that this is a business that, you know, you are going to basically going to have to make business decisions at certain points in time and not go, oh, well, you know, this is, I've got, I've got a lot of, uh, you know love for this guy. I got to have allegiance to my upperclassmen. I don't think you can do that and be successful, but more so you need to have players who understand that that's what the situation is. And, you know, also trust you enough to say, I'm willing to accept that, to accept the fact that you'll bring in a Quinn Ewers or another five-star wide receiver. And, you know, and I may transfer out depending on circumstances, or I may have to do what's best for me, but, to manage that on both sides and and make it so that the team is still cohesive. The locker room still, you know, has a, a, uh, you know, a culture that works. Uh, that's a lot to put on a guy in terms of, you know, a head coach trying to build a team. And I think so far what we've seen from Ryan day is that it's working in the sense that his players still really respect him And they understand that it's not like, you know, this guy's just going to kick us to the curb the second we're not useful for him. And that you see that in really good coaches where, players understand the decisions that a coach has to make. Um, that's hard to do sometimes, particularly if you're the kind of coach that has to make, you know, these elite decisions about guys like, well, this next dude might just be better than you. That That's hard sometimes for players to accept. So what I saw from this article is a guy in Ryan Day, who so far, like I said, has done a really good job at balancing that elite talent, especially in an era where they can go whenever they want. And if they don't like what they're getting, they can they can dipsy doodle. And um I don't know. It, it it's not a job <laughs> that I would wish on my worst enemy because it sounds exhausting. But so far it looks like Ohio State's balancing that pretty well. So I'm excited about that. Particularly in the off season, right? When you're talking about all these things that can go wrong and you know how teams are handling certain things in X, Y, and Z so far, it seems pretty drama free. I think.
1: I hope so. Uh, we, we had quite a few thoughts on that spring game, but, uh, sure, you know, yeah. any, and it's and, not going
0: to be perfect. You know I mean? There's always going to be holes. I mean, they, they've got stuff to worry about for sure. But in terms of like, you know, are you seeing a, an a culture collapse or something? No, I don't think so. I don't think you're seeing that at all. I think they're still pretty strong when it comes to the players that want to be there.
1: Well, you know, I just said we uh, were spoiled as fans and don't even realize it. I mean, one of the things I feel like I'm taking for granted right now is am I, I, I don't feel like this team is going to have a quarterback controversy anytime soon that mm-hmm. is detrimental to the offense's success. Now I you know there's unforeseen circumstances and I can end up getting you know bit in the butt for making that statement when the season actually arrives. Sure, but just based on the track record that we've seen uh, in terms of you know what day has developed these guys into year mm-hmm. over year, and now seeing directly illustrated from Stroud here how he navigated a, uh, I I mean I it, 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 the thing that makes this really impressive is we really are in wild west territory right now oh yeah nil and the transfer portal both coming into shape at the same time in terms of what is the appropriate shaping of the the legislature and parameters surrounding this where it's it's fair for everybody involved in terms of who is affected in the in the end results, and you know where these guys are actually moving around. Uh, what's fair for the players, and what's fair for the institutions that they originally uh, committed to? And right now, the it's unquestionable that the leverage is almost entirely on the side of the players in in both cases, and because of that. it it makes it that much more impressive that in this moment where coaches and like staff members don't have that kind of ability where they really just have to say, yeah, if you're not happy, you can go. I mean, you know, we can't really effectively make you stay other than by, you know, caving to playing dime demands or or financial demands or whatnot. But for day to manage the situation like this and, and do it successfully Uh, without, you know, I mean, they lost Ewers, but based on what Ewers' motivations apparently were for coming here anyway, it seemed like (laughs) the guy was going to be chasing the money on his way in and out anyway to begin with. So I think Day managed it about as well as he could have, particularly given the time that we're in where none of it was slanted in his favor and it would have been very easy for him to end up in a situation where, like – Dabo is now where even though that's not necessarily something explicitly tied to incoming transfers, you've still got an outgoing quarterback talking bad about an offense. He just played in while he's still actively playing college football. I don't ever see that happening for Ryan day.
0: I don't think so either. And that's, that's a big deal. I think that's something that, you know, other players see that recruits see that they notice. And that's, that helps, sustain the culture that you're trying to build. It also helps bring in the type of players that I think that you really want to have on your team. So that's, that's pretty cool. Um, So moving on a little bit, let's, let's talk about this. I, I thought it was interesting timing, especially, you know, with uh, how everybody's been, of course, following the 11 Dubcast and my personal hatred of Ohio state. I'm kidding. I don't hate Ohio stadium. I don't want people to think I hate Ohio stadium, but I do think it's ironic that we were talking about this earlier And now, all of a sudden, we found out that Penn State's going to be dropping seven hundred million dollars for a plumber. On well, so here's the deal: is it seven (laughs) hundred?
1: It is. Yeah, no, for the full plan, no, for the architecture firm and like the everything going out to twenty twenty seven, it's seven hundred million. Um, the first phase is the first phase is not even like ten percent of the budget, I don't think, but. Yeah, they're not even rebuilding the stadium; they're just renovating the west side of it. But I mean, it's one—it's the big. I think in terms of seating capacity, it's the biggest stadium in college football. So you know, you figured it was going to cost a pretty penny, but seven
0: hundred million dollars. And so oh, here's yeah. the thing, man. Like if that's if that's what they're talking about, the the first phase seven, like phase one, seventy million dollars. Like they're just. I
1: think Northwestern's new stadium is eight hundred million. Yeah, so like it's, yeah.
0: that that boggles my mind i mean first of all just northwestern getting a hundred million stadium and i know that you know everybody in evanston is is kind of wringing their hands about what that's gonna look like and whatever it's i don't know just from the sheer morbid curiosity i want to make sure that that actually happens i would be very sad if it didn't happen it's gonna
1: be a great place to watch usc score 54 points every season
0: oh my god it'd be incredible i i'm i don't care if they don't win a single game i mean that's That alone is just this oddity, this unbelievable, insane oddity that I hope absolutely happens because that's exactly the kind of goofiness that college football revels in. But here's the deal. So a lot of it was talking about um, weatherizing the stadium, trying to make sure that it has the proper upgrades for a potential college football playoff, you know, hosting them, you know, particularly in the winter and when that would happen. Here's the thing about Ohio Stadium. We've talked about weatherizing Ohio Stadium to accommodate, you know, the Browns, for example, or to accommodate any number, like, you know, having the, uh, the outdoor hockey games, things like that. Are we at the point now where that's realistic? Because I, I feel like the past five or ten years, it's been very tongue-in-cheek whenever I bring this up, like, oh, yeah, they'll spend hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars to, you know, essentially replace Ohio Stadium or make it unrecognizable from what it is now. Penn state gets that ball rolling. You build an $800 million stadium in Evanston for Northwestern for Northwestern Wildcats. All of a sudden, this seems a lot more likely. I don't know. Am I a crazy person or is that, that seemed like the case?
1: Uh, In terms of just pure logic and looking at like what your competitors are doing. If you have business sense, you don't want to, lose track and if you've got needs that need to be addressed then you should allocate resources towards doing that so you're you're right in that sense in a practicality sense i'm not quite sure that the decision makers in this case are are ready to move with that and i think it's also important to remember that i believe the rules are in place where you can opt to play the playoff games at uh, the stadium where the conference championship is hosted as opposed to hosting them at I would be infuriated. If Ohio State right? had
0: the option to do that and they decided to go to Indianapolis instead of doing it in Columbus, I would, I would riot. I would actually I, it. I,
1: I would think that if, from a business sense standpoint, if you can do that without having to renovate your stadium and put yourself in a more centrally accessible location – for you know getting your fans from all over the country there for a playoff game cuz you're not necessarily playing an opponent from the midwest or that's going to be near indianapolis i'm just i uh, listen i would love a retractable roof over the horseshoe <laughs> i would i would love to see a waffle house in the press box and at the suite deck oh baby uh, let's go as one as one brilliant commentator put it i would love to see the leftover renovation budget get spent on a black market bomb that wipes the the schottenstein center out of its own misery (laughs) and by the way john if you want to lean into stadium hate Uh don't don't pile it on for the shoe it's it's cool to hate the schottenstein center that if you're going to hate a stadium hate that one but anyway my point here is if you're the decision makers for Ohio state and you're looking at, do I want to throw $700 million at a renovation to get a field and get, you know, the, the security in place that we need to, you know, protect the field conditions and winterized conditions. uh, Or you can go to the stadium. That's like what, two hours away from Columbus that, is already equipped for all of that, is in a more accessible location for your national fan base, and they have a field that you've had kind of a lot of success on. Uh, I guess, man.
0: I don't know that you give up that home field advantage, though. I, I On campus, I, you've got to make that. Here's the other thing, all right? This would be particularly delicious for me. You force a southern prob- – Most likely, maybe maybe there's like a an SEC team, like a lower tier tier SEC team, that has to trudge their way up north to Columbus in the middle of the winter, (laughs) and you're not going to force them to play outside in horrific temperatures and potential like you know thirty degree squalls where it's five Uh, degrees outside. How has
1: it? How has it gone for Ohio State playing in horrible conditions? I don't care. Can we run the tape on the Northwestern game again?
0: Absolutely doesn't matter. How did it, to me. it go I when care. they played
1: Michigan in a this blizzard? Is,
0: this is one of those situations where you just do that because it, it's funny to do so and it it is not an opportunity that you can pass up. They, How soul crushing
1: would it be for Ohio State fans to run with that narrative against a team like Auburn? Not even yeah. one of the, the flagship like we want to beat them so bad SEC schools uh-huh. and then just get beat no,
0: in you the can't, middle you of like You a bit you can't of think that way. I'm just No, sh- you've got to no, say they're going to come up here, they're going to freeze their butts off, all their players are going to be wearing like four layers of clothing, they're not going to be able to catch anything or do anything... And Ohio State wins like you know twenty two twenty one to nothing. To your and point, a game that's miserable for everybody in attendance except for me at home while I'm laughing my ass off.
1: I believe there was an Auburn game this year. I, it might have been Auburn LSU. There was some it, Auburn. It, it was some Auburn game this year where the temperature dropped. I believe in November to a, lo, a level that they didn't anticipate, but it was mm-hmm. still you know forties, fifties. Sure, you know common you know springtime weather in Columbus. Right. And uh, Auburn was serving, I believe, hot chocolate oh, that's and soup right. broth and soup. out yeah, they of insulated like, coolers. Broth. Chicken soup so, broth. to your point, no, they. they you when you have to t- train out of the Midwest as opposed to the South, and you're dealing with the elements at various times, that you're you're a bit more equipped for that. I can appreciate mm-hmm. that. At the same time, I, I don't want to be leaning. I I hated. How much the Michigan fans prided themselves on? They're like, oh, we're we're the we're the burly men of the conference now. And those (laughs) those skinny little Columbus boys can't handle the outdoor conditions anymore. We're now the alphas of the Big Ten. It's like, come on, man, you're really gonna you need you need snow to win a football game? Like, let's just do this mono e mono. (laughs) I want to see controlled environment we get out there on the turf at lucas oil and we turn it into a track meet like we do every time we play there and we put 50 on your head and tell you to match it and they never do that's what i want to
0: see fair enough but i i don't know i don't know that you'll get too many people in your corner on that one I, i i gotta see a game in the shoe in january that'll be I think that's what a lot of people will be clamoring for. If that I'd like to see happening.
1: it too. I'm just saying the people in charge would like to see that at the right price.
0: That's also true. Uh, so let's go ahead. This is the last thing we'll get to before we uh, pivot to ask us anything. But, you know, Ohio State lost a uh, a borderline five-star, more likely a four-star. I, I would agree with that. Uh, shooting guard. You know, it's always good to have a shooting guard. This one happened to be called, uh, be named uh, Bronny James. I think you might've heard of his dad, LeBron James. He ended up going to USC over Ohio state. You know, I really was not super surprised by this or confident that Ohio state ever had an inside track on this dude. And I'm not, you know, a large part of the speculation was because, you know, LeBron has said in the past that he had, he had to go to college. He would have gone to Ohio state but really had nothing to do with, with Bronny and, and his decision and what he actually wanted to do. It was more like, well, his dad's just going to make him go to the college that he wanted to go to. And I I don't think there was ever any real movement there. It never felt like something super real. The other thing is, as crazy as that would be, to have LeBron James' kid at Ohio State, um, I, I don't know that... I mean, again, he's, he's a very good player, but I don't know that that's really a make or break thing for Ohio state. And I'm curious just how people, you know, kind of feel about this in terms of the reaction. Like, is this, is this considered to be a huge loss for Holtman or is this just kind of like, okay, you know, it's, it's, it is what it is, but they'll move on and try to, you know, do really well next season and get back to the NCAA playoffs.
1: The poll on Sunday on 11 warriors was, are you disappointed? Bronny James isn't going to play at Ohio state and 75% of the, you know, statistically significant sample size of Buckeye fans that responded to the poll said thousands. "Hmm. Yeah. No, they said, no, we don't care.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, and I, and I honestly, I think that's where most people are at. I would agree with the respondents of the poll and I don't think it's that I I'm with them. I mean, as much as I would like somebody to be able to raise the profile of Ohio state, he's not, you know, a consensus number one recruit or anything like that in the United States. I think he's he's given that extra star as a recruit in large part because of his dad. And it's not to say that he's not a great athlete or a great basketball player. I think he will be. I think he'll be excellent at USC. But he's also a guard and he's not, you know, like a power forward. He's not a guy who's going to go out there and just dominate a, you know, a, a basketball game. And so you know, I, I want Chris Holtman to bring in big-time recruits and things like that. And and this is a miss, but it's not one of those where I'm sitting here going, oh, man, the program's never going to recover. I, I think he'll do great at USC. Uh, I'm not t- trying to take away anything from Bronny James. I think he'll do an excellent job. Um, he's going to work his tail off. He's got a lot of great film and tape. But, you know, and USC, by the way, is not hurting for their own recruits either. They're bringing, I think, the consensus number one guy too. So they'll be fine. And with I, the addition of Bronny, but I'm just saying, I don't know that this, this is like for either team, Ohio state or USC. To me, this is just a really good player going to a team as opposed to, you know, a next generational talent like LeBron James going to a team.
1: Yeah. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't call this even a miss as much as just what could have been. Sure, uh, yeah. and in that case, it's more just, you know, romanticizing the thought of, a another, James family member playing basketball in Ohio True. again. James uh, so, you know, it's, it, it, it is what it is, you know, it's, and I don't think Ohio state is, is worse for wear for it. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I, there's probably, you know, there's, there's, we, I mean, we would make jokes about it in terms of the way that some outlets were covering this recruiting cycle, you know, I mean, we, we effectively joked that on three had become brawn three, mm-hmm. like they, they were just publishing, you know, if they were letting you know what kind of cereal brawny James was eating that morning, right, it, it, right. it, it, it got completely ridiculous. So there's, there's a whole circus that comes with that. And the, you know, I don't. I'm not privy to who he was playing with in high school, so I don't I don't know if he had any big-time uh teammates that also got recruited that maybe also had to, you know, deal with playing alongside while all that those distractions were happening. Um but his college teammates are going to inherit that and USC obviously is not, you know, shy from the the lens of of criticism and spectacle. So there's it's only going to get magnified in terms of that stuff. I'm kind of worried what happens if he doesn't do well there just because I know there's going to be... It seems like there was an appetite for a lot of people to drag that guy down oh, just terms of course, like, yeah. oh, he's not his dad and whatever. Right. And I worry how quickly that could end up taking shape if he's not put in a position to succeed right away at USC. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's so many different ways that it could go where it could end up being a detriment to the program as well. Now I say that as a longtime Chicago Bulls fan, which mm-hmm. means if you're privy, I despise lebron james in favor of <laughs> michael jordan so i have a heavy amount of bias on this topic and all of you cleveland fans listening are are gonna feel the weight of that going forward but i'm trying to keep a fair head here in the interest of the fact that this is the son of lebron james it's not nice to he- see him spur my favorite team But he is his own person. He did you know, he's living in California recently. You can appreciate him wanting to stay home. Mm -hmm. And you have to imagine he has a similar goal to his father in terms of being able to get to the same NBA team before his dad has to hang it up. I imagine it's not just something LeBron wants to accomplish. It's both a father and son thing, even though I don't think we've really heard Bronny talk about it much himself. Um, so I think him staying home and close to his dad will just kind of naturally puts them in a better position to get that done. So relative to what they want to do for their own achievements, I can respect what they want to do here. And I'm not terribly concerned about how it affects Ohio state long-term or the, you know, the ramifications of this the being seen as missing out on a prominent recruit.
0: Yeah. I'm with you on that. And it, you know, I- to your point about, you know, the idea that it's a little bit of a circus and the stuff around them. I mean, it's not going to be like it would have been had LeBron gone to college, but it is going to be significant. And, you know, again, I, I hate to say that not having a really good player on your team is a good thing or, you know, increases your chances of winning. But I also think that a team that is in serious need of restructuring and rebuilding and kind of just focusing on themselves and figuring out what they can do to build a viable contender. Um, maybe they don't need that kind of distraction.
1: (laughs) Maybe that that team doesn't need a media circus. You
0: know what I mean? Maybe that's an additional stressor that they really can't deal with right now and, and don't want to try. So, I I can see why that would be beneficial, um, to Chris Holtman and maybe, you know, maybe in the long run that'll, that'll help him out. So hopefully it leads to a more cohesive team. And, you know, I'm excited to see what Bronny does at USC. I think he'll be really good. He's going to have a really good supporting cast and, you know, just to watch his evolution as a basketball player and maybe do it without the stress of, you know, pinning all of your your hopes on a guy to get you back to uh, March madness. (laughs) Um, I'm
1: waiting for Bryce.
0: Well, there you go. Hopefully that will. I heard that that guy's
1: a little bit better.
0: That's right. Um, Okay, so let's go ahead and do Ask Us Anything. But before we get into that, we want to remind you that the Dubcast is sponsored by the Dry Goods store at 11warriors.com. Drygoods.11warriors.com. Shirts, hats, stickers. Check it out. It's great. So let's do some Ask Us Anything. This is start off with uh, you can ask us literally anything by sending us questions to Dubcast at 11warriors.com let's start with our good friend alvin who wants to know who are you rooting for in the nba this season oh man so we've got the playoffs going right we the first round is over okay we've moved down in the second which team are you are you pulling for in this thing
1: i mean i i said it i'm i you know i'm a bulls fan to a fault i um I wrote, I was, I started my sports, writing. I, I hesitate to call it a career. Uh, you know, I, I effectively in some ways think I'm more of a janitor at 11 Warriors than
0: anything else. (laughs) You know what we all are. It's fine.
1: (laughs) Well, you're an executive janitor. Executive janitor. That's right. I mean, you know, you get the special bathroom out. You, (laughs) you you not only get to clean the special bathroom, you get to use it. too. Um, to
0: use it and then clean it. Right. Right.
1: Exactly. Uh, but I I, Jimmy Butler, man, that guy. Yeah, dude. When Derrick Rose got hurt, I mean, it it, it's tough to that that guy saved the sanity of Bulls fans up until, you know, Tom Thibodeau got let go and they brought Fred Hoiberg in. And you saw how that went. And then he very nearly turned that job into becoming the head coach at Ohio State. So be very uh, grateful that that didn't end <laughs> up right. materializing. Um, but Jimmy Butler, I thought, and, and I I wrote about it when I was uh, writing about the Bulls back in, you know, 20. I stopped around 2018. Um, but right before he got traded, uh, or shortly after he got traded, uh, I, I wrote a big thank you thing for him on the uh, SB Nation Bulls site Mm -hmm. and uh, I watching what that guy has just been that guy's story is just so unlike anything that I've seen uh, in professional sports just from being kicked out of his home when he was 13 years old going through the Juco grind to get to Marquette you know turning he was always like this defensive first player that didn't really have any raw scoring ability other than attacking the paint and mm-hmm. you just see this guy now just grinding out 30 40 point games in the playoffs for Miami like it's nothing i i it's crazy to me as a bulls fan if you told me 10 years ago that i would live two blocks down the street from where the Miami Heat play and that i would be rooting for them in the nba playoffs I would think you were completely insane, but it's just funny how life works, man. Uh, and I'm I'm all if you if you go to my uh, profile page on Eleven Warriors right now, you see favorite NBA team. It's Jimmy Butler and the Butlerettes. <laughs> I'm I'm pulling for him the whole way. It would be crazy if he ended up rematching the Lakers in the finals. It uh, would be that, crazy. That would be
0: pretty wild. And they what look, about you, Johnny? Well, and the thing is, I mean, your point is well taken about Jimmy Butler because he. First of all, I've always enjoyed his game, but also they, they look really good. They look really, really good right now. And I mean, obviously Milwaukee had their issues with, with injuries and things like that, but Miami just crushed them. They're out here beating the crap out of New York. Um, I don't know, man, they, they look really tough right now. So that's, that's a great story. I'm, I'm excited about that. I, you know, I, I want Philly I I don't want Philly to be good. I don't want them to win on behalf of Philly fans, because, you know, they're terrible, but you know, Embiid, like, I really like his game as well. Um, you know, getting the MVP that's, that's deserved, right? He
1: might be a Butler at next year.
0: Well, yeah, you never know. (laughs) They're a really fun team to watch. The thing is, is like with the Western Conference, I mean, Denver and Phoenix, I don't know that anybody's super stoked about either of those teams. I I know they're, you know, the thing about like, okay, so Denver specifically, I I want the Nuggets. I want them to be good. I like the Joker. You know what I mean? Like, I, I like watching these individual guys. And 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 their game and and their you know how they're playing and whatnot. But it's the same thing with the Lakers and Golden State. Like to me, it just feels like kind of old hat. And I love LeBron. Like I'm not a LeBron hater. I really enjoy. I I have enjoyed watching his career over the years. His game is fascinating to me. Um, just you know the, the idea that you know the distributor and the guy who can attack and all that stuff. And he's you know he's playing with a bad foot. But for me, the Western Conference isn't exciting what's exciting is the eastern conference and philadelphia and jimmy butler and so between those two teams i, I am i want them to see i want to, i'm rooting for them i want to see them be successful and i want to see miami and philly have a crazy conference final because i think that's what's eventually going to happen here if it ends up being like boston and you know golden state i'm gonna i'm gonna hate everything <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be furious because that is that is the most Wrote predictable ending to this playoff. And I, I just don't want to see it. So like a rematch, that would be cool. You know, Denver getting in there with against Miami and the NBA finals. I'd be cool with that, but I just, I want it to be interesting. I want it to be exciting. And right now the Eastern conference has that in Miami and Philadelphia. So I want to see both of those teams continue to be successful. I think the real,
1: fun. real quick, let me ask you this scenario. If we do get the Lakers heat rematch. Yeah. If you are a Cleveland Cavs fan, do you support LeBron and the Lakers or Kevin Love and the Miami Heat? <laughs> uh,
0: that's an interesting question. I, You know what? The thing is, I honestly don't think anybody in Cleveland is rooting for Kevin Love. I think they would be rooting against LeBron. So it's really just how... You, it's just a litmus test about how you feel about LeBron James. I mean, as it always is. But that's an interesting question. I, I think... I think most people would probably be pulling for ostensibly Kevin Love, even though if you know they don't really care if he gets another ring or
1: not. That is, I mean, it is interesting. I feel no, like that there's potential to really question. divide Cleveland, which I love to sow discord and chaos well, among of the Clevelanders.
0: I mean, they revel in it, so it's <laughs> thank <laughs> they, you for giving. They thrive that, on it. They do. So that's you know what the NBA. I mean, the NBA playoffs in general. I hate the fact that it's seven games up and down. I think by the time they get to the finals, everybody's exhausted and injured and it's stupid. Oh, I love it. Oh, it drives me nuts. I don't, there's so many guys. I mean, I know with like Giannis, you know, it's not like it happened as a result of a seven game, you know, first round. It's
1: like a boxing match that can go for two weeks.
0: Yeah, well, that's the thing. It goes On and on and on. I'm like, come on, man, just get me to get me to the finals. I don't know. Maybe so that's because I was invested during the regular season, I guess. But yeah, it's a great question for you, Alvin. Thank you for sending that one in. This one, next one's from Bill, and this is actually this is a late breaking question, and I think it <laughs> it's something that we were kind of discussing on Slack a little bit before we started recording. Are is, are the Columbus Blue Jackets? This is from Bill. Are the Columbus Blue Jackets the most cursed franchise? <laughs> In sports and that's that's hyperbole uh and i would answer no there there are definitely more cursed franchises but it's got to feel that way right after you know jason was putting this in in the slack like their their luck with the draft is the worst by far in the nhl and they've basically got one great postseason moment which is sweeping the lightning right That that were favored to win it all and i think they had you know they were number 1 seed but i think they had set a record for like most wins or most points in a season and they swept them in the first round that was like a legendary you know thing but aside from that they've had zero success uh extended success in the playoffs um are they are they as cursed as as they seem to be
1: i don't know i'm i'm not the right person to ask for this to be honest um when i was when i was catching the up first of all i was my my mother's in town tonight. She's not here Sunday, so I went and had a nice Mother's Day dinner with her. So I was not really privy to what was happening in the NHL draft lottery. However, as I was following the news updates, I couldn't help but notice that uh, a lot of the Blue Jackets fans felt that uh, they got they got slighted by what was happening. Um, well, essentially what happened was the well, they, felt rigged
0: so they had a about a 30% chance of getting one of the first two um picks. Now it would have been substantially higher had they not completely screwed the pooch at the end of the season and decided to win some games. Like
1: I did hear games. about that.
0: Yeah. Uh and really they weren't going to be getting the number one pick probably regardless. Um and that's you know, it comes across every <laughs> it comes across every ten years or so. You get this generational talent's gonna put the franchise on his back and you know they're gonna win a Stanley Cup or something like that. I don't think that was ever in the cards really for CBJ. Um, I guess it was technically, depending on how many, you know, how, how hard they decided to tank at the end of the season. But even the second pick, they could have gotten a really quality player and and I'm sure they'll be fine at number three, but it just feels like this is a franchise that is on the cusp of being consistently okay. And they can never seem to actually get over to the hump to respectability. And I look, I love going to the blue jackets games. It's a great time. Every time I go, I just, you know, I love the atmosphere. I want to see him win. I want to be more than a casual fan. But, you know, I I look down the street, right? I look a quarter mile down the street at the crew. Crews won the MLS Cup twice. They've actually, you know, they're actually good. And they're, like, consistently pretty good. And, you know, I understand were they that, always that, though, like, did well, they
1: not have a time before they won the MLS Cup where they you thought because they were in a smaller market relative to their competitors that you're like, oh, are they ever going to actually get over the hump? Because I well, feel like with a lot of these teams, it's like until you actually prove that you can do it, the narrative is just going to be that it can't happen.
0: I mean, the crew is interesting. They're interesting because they've been kind of like I mean, they've been there since the beginning. Right. They were they were there in 1996 when the MLS started and you know, I would agree like for a while they weren't, you know, considered to be top tier, but they won an MLS cup. Uh, I think in what, like 2008, something like that. Um, 2006, I can't, it was in the mid two thousands and, uh, you know, they won one just a few years ago. So it did take them a while to get there, but part of it, you know, I think part of it is, it doesn't matter how much success they have, because I think that when CBJ came to town, it was like a legitimizing moment for professional sports in Columbus, Ohio. Mm-hmm. And you want to see a team that means that to the city be good. And 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 really, I mean, I don't know. To extend this malaise to the entire state of Ohio seems weird. <laughs> but But if you think about it, I mean, really, until two years ago, like literally two years ago you could look at basically every professional sports team in the state of Ohio, you know, with the exception of the Cavs, I guess, and go, what a freaking disappointment. Like, this is insane. Like how are they all this bad this regularly? And yeah, the guardians are, you know, they they've had their moments where they've gotten into the, you know, the world series even. And it's like, that's great. But it's, it's wild to me how you have so many professional sports teams be so collectively bad a majority of the time and you know it feels different now because the Bengals are really good and they've got you know Joe Burrow and that's awesome but the Reds I mean I'm a lifelong Reds fan and it's mind-boggling I mean this is a team that hasn't won a playoff series since I was 10 right in the mid-90s um Like, it's just, it's wild to me, man. Like, I don't know. And I don't want to say that like CBJ has got to be the team to to buck that trend, but (laughs) you know, I'm not one to believe in curses, but sometimes it's real hard, man. Sometimes it's real freaking hard.
1: I, again, my point about perspective, you're talking to a Chicago
0: Cubs fan. Yeah, but then, you, okay, but you can't say that when you've won a World Series in the last 10 years. I understand. I was carrying was a the time. weight
1: of 100 years for no, my entire childhood, Stop it. Johnny. Stop I it.
0: will not hear it from you. Oh, my you. God. Give me a break. No. <laughs> the only people who get to say that were people who were 100 years old when that actually occurred. That I'm sorry. That doesn't count. I
1: remember the Ottoman Empire, Stop Johnny. It.
0: the ottoman empire when penicillin was developed i knew that these cubbies had a chance um (laughs) yeah no it's it's just one of those things where i just look at this and i'm like why why like they're they're and it's not i understand it's harder for mid-market and small market teams that doesn't mean you can't win it doesn't mean it can't happen right the freaking royals go out and win a world series i just I don't know, man. It just drives me nuts, and it's it just seems like there's a lot of institutional failure at, at the top,
1: dude. I mean, again, like I know it seems like all oh, the Royals are the only one. Milwaukee, I know it seems yeah, like the she- sky's falling over there. They they won the NBA Finals, and they they got their generational guy, and it took them like what eight years to yeah. still do it. So even if the Blue Jackets won the draft lottery tonight. Right. They could have gotten their guy, and they could still be a million a miles point. away. They could have gotten Connor McDavid years ago when they were saying that guy was the generational player. That and he still is.
0: There. But you're right. Like, I mean, Connor McDavid's out there. Like, it's still, it's a grind for him because yeah. he's not. You know, like, you gotta, you gotta, like I said, put a franchise on your back.
1: One player does not a hockey team make. And to that point, I mean, people are saying, "Oh, the Chicago Blackhawks are spoiled." But even when they had Kane and Taves they still needed to go out and get a Marion Hosa or that tertiary guy that really put them into the spot where they were like, we can go out and win Stanley Cups and sustain doing it. So you, I mean, it it's easy to look at needing the star piece and saying you don't have that and wondering when that's going to fall into place but there's so many other little elements that have to fall into place for a team sport like that especially hockey where you can do everything right for 3 periods and still not score just because a goalie had you know right, a, a, stood on their a,
0: head and
1: it's a brilliant night right so it right. you know it you got to keep that perspective and i that's why i wouldn't look at this as like a sky is falling but again i'm I'm not carrying the weight that blue jackets fans are here in terms of when are we going to get over the hump? So I can, I can at least respect that, but just try to keep the perspective here that one star does not a hockey team make. So in that sense, it's not like this was going to, you know, pull the, the jackets out of the small market gutter, right. I think so. And that's fair. It can I still mean, happen.
0: You know, Conor McDavid's out here, you know, pretty much the best player and, and, you know, hockey and he's not won a the Stanley cup. And, you know, it's this dude came out here and, you know, I think, God, he had like 150 some points or something like that last season. Uh, I mean, you know, it's just, it's, it's kind of crazy to me. You're right. It's not one guy who's going to win it for you. You've got to have you know some more institutional development and that's, that's, that can be difficult sometimes that can be tough. So I think
1: setting small goals is good. And if you're a blue jackets fan, I think this, this is a more attainable goal than, you know, a a conference final appearance or some sort of lofty thing like that. I think what would be, the appropriate goal for the sh- for in terms of recognizing when you guys have gone out is those those Pittsburgh Penguins are finally starting to show some cracks, and <laughs> that, uh, that's true. when that when that first playoff triumph comes, whether it's in the early rounds or whatever over those pesky Pittsburgh Penguins, it I I have to imagine it's going to feel sweeter than. I'd pretty, I pretty it would have to pre- that's probably about as close as you're going to get in terms of satisfaction I would think to winning a Stanley Cup if you're a Blue Jackets fan and that is uh, I think a much more attainable short-term goal relative to where the Penguins are falling now mm. than getting to the top of the sport with one really good draft so you know Yeah. That's just one way to look at it but i'm also not a big hockey guy as you can probably tell by that answer i just gave so you know i'm just trying to help out where i can
0: (laughs) well i'm sure blue jackets fans appreciate that thank you thank you very much George. uh so that's ask us anything for this week thank you for sending those in please continue to ask us literally anything we would love to answer them uh let's move on real quick as we wrap this up there's one really big story that i do want to get into and this is the uh the the story out of Alabama, uh, their their baseball coach getting fired, suspicious money line and parlay bets done at Great American Ballpark and which again, we talked about the Reds, that's funny in of itself. Uh, apparently what had happened or at least what's alleged to have happened is that there was this Alabama baseball coach, and then he scratches the starting pitcher in, in favor of a guy who hasn't played in a long time. And then apparently there's some communication between him and someone else who then goes and places a bet. And then after this is discovered, they basically shut down all betting on you know Alabama college baseball, all that stuff. So it feels very shady. Again, I don't know, you know, all this is alleged to have happened. I don't know exactly what did. Uh, but this is a guy who I wouldn't call a legendary coach or anything like that. He'd only been in position for a few years. Alabama was good, but not amazing. And so that's that goes down. And now we've got this thing out of Iowa, both with Iowa State and the Iowa Hawkeyes. And um, there's a lot of stuff swirling around them. So Iowa said that it received information about 111 individuals, including 26 student-athletes now. Student-athletes were not involved in the Alabama stuff. Student-athletes here at Iowa saying uh, from baseball, football, men's basketball, men's track and field, and wrestling, all kinds of stuff going down with this. Is this – okay, I wonder, George, if this is one of those things – like the Chinese spy balloon. Now stay with me. Okay. I, th- I don't think you're or, thinking
1: big enough. I think we need to go Iowa football point shaving scandal. Okay. But I here's, think that's okay, the end game
0: here. Here's what I'm saying. And maybe, maybe Jurassic park is also an analogy I'm going for. There's a scene in Jurassic park in the book. <laughs> oh, hang on, hang on. I promise it's getting somewhere. There's a scene in the book where Ian Malcolm is like, you know, they're talking about the dinosaurs that are in the park. And, you know, they have this sophisticated tracking software that tracks all the dinosaurs so they know exactly how many dinosaurs are in the park. And there's, like, supposed to be, like, 237 dinosaurs. And Ian Malcolm's like, okay, what if you asked it to find more than that? And they're like, well, why would they find more than that? There's not going to be more than that. We're the ones who do that. And he's like, just try it. And then all of a sudden they put in, okay, find 238. And then they find 238. Okay, try find 239. They find 239. He's like, try 300. (laughs) And then they receives an error and they're like, oh, okay, well, then it was fine. He's like, oh, we found 289. (laughs) And it's the same thing with the Chinese spy balloon. If you're not looking for it, you're not going to find it. But once you look for it, you're going to find a bunch. And so this is kind of how I feel about what's happening with like betting and how it relates to athletes or possibly coaches or anybody else, you know, involved or whatever. I feel like there might be a lot more of it because of the proliferation of betting, sports betting in general, especially in the past five or 10 years. You're going to see more of these cases because people are now looking for it in ways that they hadn't before. And I don't think it's something that's just limited to Alabama or Iowa. I think it's probably happening quite a bit in a lot of places. And I think this is just the tip of the iceberg. I think you're going to see a lot more of this you know, type of news coming down the pike.
1: Yeah. The interesting thing <clears throat> is that because there's such a presence of betting activity that doesn't happen within state confines mm-hmm. that the, um, I don't want to be careful how I word about how I word this. I don't want to encourage any, you know, non-ethical activity here, but The picture that I'm trying to paint is that there's been a very unregulated industry for a long time that has led to a situation where the regulation that does exist around it is done on a state-by-state level, and that sort of inconsistency in applied standards has now created a situation where, as... Sports betting goes live in several states. You have a lot of uncertainty and about, you know, who's supervising what and regulating where. And it creates an environment where people think that they can get away with stuff like Mm -hmm. this. Absolutely. Now, one thing that I do want to point out is that. They said that the person at Great American uh, Sportsbook was—they called them an unidentified customer, so they weren't able to confirm the identity. They did confirm that he was communicating with— uh, Brad Bohannon, the Alabama baseball coach, who was fired three days after uh, the Ohio Casino Control Commission released its directive that you can no longer wager on Alabama baseball in the state of right. Ohio for the time being. Um, however, Johnny, I think you know what I'm getting at here. <laughs> Cincinnati Reds proximity, great American ballpark, a history of illicit betting activities. In the baseball world. Uh I don't think we can rule out here.
0: He couldn't stay away.
1: I don't think we can rule out here that a Mr. Pete Rose may have been involved in some way.
0: Peter Edward Rose Sr. won it no, I'm kidding. I don't (laughs) I'm sure he was in Vegas, uh signing autographs for fifty dollars. Doing it
1: the right way.
0: That's right. That's right. I don't think I don't think that's his that's too small time for him at this point. Um yeah he's he's not doing it i mean i don't know maybe he is but i don't know no. we we love him. we love pete rose over here at the 11th up i don't but you know what i i love <laughs> i love the idea of pete rose and the thing is is that like i could go on a big long rant about pete rose pete rose the athlete pete rose the player is one of the most i think fascinating uh baseball players who ever lived uh the marginal talent i mean if you ever he's watch- the
1: alec baldwin of baseball and that he's become a parody <laughs> of himself despite his talent
0: yeah and, and the thing is about pete rose is that like he didn't have a lot of talent i mean if you watch this guy if you watch highlights of this guy's bat speed always bad right um he he was never i mean he played basically every position that it, you could possibly play uh sans pitcher not very good at any of them slow i mean just a a lot of bad things about it, but the dude had this unbelievable ability to get the ball, to hit the bat and just do what he needed to do to just slap a hit into right field and then get on base. And he was better at that than anybody in the history of baseball. And he did it for like 500 years. And the thing about, you know, again, him as an athlete is that he's surrounded, especially in the big red machine, he's surrounded by some of the greatest, most athletic baseball players who ever lived right i mean some of these guys who are just these legendary titans of the game and this dude is out here just slapping singles over and over and over again and does it for literally like 25 years and it's it's bonkers what he was able to accomplish in major league baseball and he kind of his legacy just kind of torched by not just the betting but also just kind of being a giant piece of crap and um it's it's fascinating it really is fascinating i mean had he been able to contain himself not do the things that he did i mean the guy would be up there you know with like you know willie may i mean he'd be considered to be one of the greatest of all time one of the top 10 players ever especially given the fact that he is not he was never a super talented you know athletic specimen just the opposite of that really um and yet still managed to do what he did and it's it's wild that he blew up that unbelievable narrative just by you know everything else that he he did about his life so anyway not to i get think he could done. start a
1: podcast with arch slister that rivals the Eleven <laughs> Duckcast cast in popularity
0: they probably would i mean honestly i'd listen to that shoot i'd listen to that in a second um all right before we get out of here a couple things so ohio state let's do some non-rev stuff ohio state's tennis team's uh advanced to the ncaa super regionals that's awesome buckeye golf going to the ncaa regionals we mentioned this last time i mean men's tennis has been really good for a long time uh big 10 regular season title big 10 championship and the tournament just kicking butt all over the place they continue to do so and that's and canon that.
1: kingsley got his diploma uh this past weekend oh, so congratulations go. to ohio state men's tennis group, and mr and- kingsley
0: and, uh, you know, Justin Fields, all these guys going out there, getting their degrees. We love it. We love to see it. I, You know, that's awesome. Um, women's tennis out there, obviously, doing their thing, doing great, continuing to advance super regionals, men's golf. Love to see it. Uh, last thing, real quick, and I have to grudgingly give Jim Harbaugh some credit, and, and I, I am the number one Harbaugh hater, obviously, with, you know, threat level and everything. But uh, he took his team to Gettysburg, and you know what? That is... First of all, a hilarious trip to take a bunch of, you know, college kids on in the spring. Like, hey, guys, let's just kidding. We're not going to South Beach. We're going to Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. But that is a trip that I have made three times in my life. And uh, I can't respect the hell out of it. And, you know, here's the other thing. I know why you took them there. You took them there because and remember the Titans. That's where they take the football team. And I will have to add is one of the most egregious historical. Um, uh, what? they get one of the facts wrong. I don't there. I'm sure there's a word for it, but Denzel Washington in the show or in the movie, uh, tells his team that 50,000 people died at Gettysburg. That is not true. There were 50,000 plus casualties. Uh, but apparently the screenwriter was not aware that casualties means both killed, injured and missing. And, uh, actual debt at gettysburg was between seven and eight thousand but you know whatever it's fine it's fine well, I, disney I has you. never
1: romanticized anything
0: so. yeah i know right uh but uh you know props to harbaugh for taking his dudes to to pennsylvania have you ever have you ever made the trip george to gettysburg
1: no i haven't um i i'm a bit in history was my favorite subject in school so well, i gotta tell I, you
0: it's the I, best preserved civil war battle site uh, in North America, obviously you're not going to have too many civil war battle sites in South America <laughs> or in <laughs> Canada or in Mexico, but it is very well preserved. It's, it's basically as is, as the battle was. And if you know a decent amount about the battle as, as I used to, um, it's really just kind of like you get chills because you can just envision all of the different parts You can stand behind, you know, the, the stone wall where the 20th main was and you can go where Pickett's charge was. And it's just, it's a hell of a time. So I recommend you do it. And, uh, you know, maybe uh, if you see Jim Harbaugh there, you know, dap him up and say, okay, fair play, sir. That was a good idea.
1: No, I don't like seeing Jim Harbaugh in Michigan do objectively good things, so I'm going <laughs> to bury my head in the sand as an ostrich does and, and wait until November to right. emerge and, and spout vitriol at
0: the Wolverines again. That's also a good approach. I I, I respect that as well. Uh, So that's pretty much it for the Dubcast tonight. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, We'll be back next week to discuss all things Ohio State sports and and Ohio State not sports and everything, and and we'll get into it. Uh, But until then, I'm Johnny. I'm George. And we'll see you then.